Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. about Galveston County. I don't know if y'all saw that or heard it. But they said, according to their study, whoever made the study, I think it's a, 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 a county did, or whoever it was, that only 10% of the population of Galveston County is in church. That means 90% of the population of this area does not attend church. That's absolutely unacceptable. I said, that's absolutely unacceptable. You say, well, you trying to build a mega church? I mean, we need to do something. If only 10% of the people this area go to church, we, we need to do something. Amen? So we're going to believe God. We're going to stand in faith. And we're going to continue to move forward, believing God for outpourings, revivals, refreshments, and for people to get born again, coming to the kingdom of God, and to miss out on hell. Remember one thing we began to say, I, I guess the, uh, last year we made this statement, actually several years before then we kind of revived it last year. Why do we do this? Because hell is forever. People die and go there. And we don't want that. That's not acceptable. The price that was paid for them not to have to go to hell was, it was tremendous. God Himself came and died upon the cross so that we could be saved. Amen? So I believe through prayer, through intercession, and then just through following the Holy Ghost, whatever the Spirit of God shows us to do and tells us to do. But I'm telling you, the Word's getting out. We're hearing that more and more people are talking about what's going on here. People are being ministered to. People are being healed. It's amazing what the Lord is doing. Amen? You know, last night we were uh, blessed. We spent a little time with a with some uh, uh, couple here in the church and, and uh, fellowshipping with them and eating. We went home, and uh, Leah began to do her preparations and get ready for uh, today. And, and so I sat down and was kind of just uh, turned on the uh, weather channel. And then uh, as I went through some of the channels, uh, right at nine o'clock there was a, uh, a program that came on the History Channel. It was very unique. I, I thought I'd seen it before, but once I watched it, I realized I hadn't seen it. But it was a chronological history of World War II from 1938 to the end of 1945. And they did it all in an hour. And they did both theaters of operation, the Pacific and the European theater. Now, I don't know. I guess, I guess hearing it all in one hour and, 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 and seeing it visually and hearing what they said, uh, you know, at the, end of the, at the end of the program, they said uh, conservatively 100 million people died in World War II. The tragedy of it was 80% of them were civilian. You know, that's the tragedy of it, amen. But as I sat there in the Senate, it kind of got over, and I was kind of, you know, talking to Leah, what are you going to do? I got up and was going to move toward the, uh, uh, heading upstairs, cutting the lights off, do what we do to get ready to go upstairs to bed. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you're in a war. He said, you're in a war. He said, you don't realize it, but you'll be in one until either Jesus comes back or you go out of the way of the grave. And the war is for the souls of men and women's lives. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that war has intensified to a level that it's never been at on the earth before. And not only that, with the war, the, the enemy has tried to bring attack and suppression and all this. And I'm going to tell you, I did not realize how blessed we are. So I began to talk to a lot of other pastors. And they began to talk about all the oppression and the, and the, and the financial back, uh, setbacks they had and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, Pastor, I said, aren't you going through that stuff? And I said, no, we have established victory around here. We ain't going to let go of it. Amen? I mean, now, we've been in some fights, but let me tell you something. We don't lose. 
and with the, with all the stuff that's going on, and, and people are uh, you know getting sick, and there's people that have died, people that have died, all this stuff. Well, uh, someone died. Well, they went to heaven. My God, that's what you live your whole life to do is to go to heaven. Amen. Heaven is a game, not a law. Amen. So listen, understanding that we are in a fight. I don't know if you've ever been in an area in which the military was active. Uh, I've been a many years in an area in which the military was very active in Ireland. And it is an ominous thing it's a, uh, to be, you know, uh, traveling in a car and to see uh, 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 men on foot patrol uh, decked out with the, all their armament, uh, to see tanks, to see, uh, uh, we saw it in the Philippine Islands back in the 80s when we were there. It, it is an ominous thing because in the natural, uh, war has a presentation to it. We're all used and we're conditioned to the war movies, the, the stories of our loved ones, our, our grandfathers and fathers that fought in different conflicts, and our soldiers today that have been in conflict for 20 years. So we're not unfamiliar with one presentation of that. But then there's another, which I believe as we've entered into the modern era with all the technology, there's something else that's going on now. It's a whole different dynamic to what they're doing. But let me tell you something. The results are no less ominous because there's a lot of people dying. A lot of people are just dying. And listen, when that begins to happen, I, I heard a soldier years ago that was interviewed. He was a Medal of Honor recipient. And he began to talk about, this was not about his hero, heroism, heroism. This was about how he, when he came back, he won this, this particular award in the, in the Vietnam conflict. And when he came back, they, they uh, 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 got him to train troops because he, what he had done was, was, was so awesome. So he was training uh, other men that would, would, would be deployed to Vietnam. And he said this. I'll never forget what he said. He said, I could tell by training them who would live and who would die. He said, I, I could tell when I trained them, I could tell this, this, this guy will make it. This guy won't. And he said it really didn't have anything to do with their skill. It had to do with their attitude. He said, because that was a time in which the people were being drafted, he said, there were a whole lot of people that didn't want to be there. And he said, people that didn't want to be there, it was hard for me to train. I thought that was a pretty powerful statement. People that didn't want to be there, it was hard to train. But listen, you ought to want to be here. And you ought to want to be trained. And the Lord's really dealt with me. We, you know, I, I made a statement at the beginning of the, beginning of the summer, and I'm always very cautious to make what I would call prophetic statements. And I said at the beginning of the summer, the summer's going to be benign. Anybody remember me saying that? Have we seen that? We just kind of went through the summer. Been a little cooler than most, a little wetter than most. Amen. But we just, we just went through the summer. But remember also what's on the other side of that. The Lord said, now as you enter into the fall, especially into the later fall and into the early winter, you better be ready. You better be careful. Amen. And you better stand upon the Word of God and get ready to exercise the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ because there's something coming. Amen. Well, I don't I, Listen, I'm not going to try to figure out what's coming. I'm going to concentrate on what is that we can use to go against what's coming, because no matter what's coming, God's already given us the victory. Let me say that again. No matter what's coming, God's already given us the victory, but we've got to be like those well-trained troops. Well, listen, we've got, to be, we've got to be zealous about that which God has called us to do, and we've got to be willing to sit under the teaching of the Word of God and let that Word build into us that courage and that strength we're going to need for these last days. Amen? Well, in the Bible, if you will, uh, Romans chapter 10. Now, in my experience over the years, 
that there are certain doctrines in the Bible that really they solicit real controversy, if not that, a lot of criticism. And when I came into the to the move of God uh, several years ago, I began to notice how much I always knew growing up in a, in a Pentecostal environment that there was, you know, out in the denominations of the world, there was a lot of pushback against the baptism of the Holy Ghost. A lot of people just didn't believe it. You know, they weren't taught it from the Word of God. They didn't see the Word of God through eyes of revelation, so they just didn't believe it. So there was a lot of pushback. But then the charismatic movement hit, and I'm telling you, every person in every denomination you could think of, and some that weren't even in denominations, got, got filled with the Holy Ghost for the evidence of speaking in tongues. My mom and dad were a big part of that movement. Now, when I came into the kingdom of God, began to minister in ministry, a lot of people had, had received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to tell you the most controversial doctrine when I came into the kingdom was confession. People were all stirred up. There was teaching on the radio. I remember listening to a guy driving down the corpus one time, and he was he was just tearing up the bladder and gratis doctrine. And you know, don't don't get me wrong. I know every doctrine in the Bible. People have a tendency to run it in the ditch. Amen. I remember when I was very young in the Lord, I was at Bible school at, at, at Brother John Osteen's Bible school, Lakewood Bible Institute, he was teaching on faith, and he got over into confession. And he said, you know, when we first begin to get teaching on confession, we got it from uh, Dr. Timothy Hagen, uh, teaching out of Mark 11, 23, you can have what you say. He said, we went straight into the ditch. He said, we got the teaching, went straight into the ditch. He said, we could, nobody could say anything. And somebody said, look, it's a cloudy. No, don't say that, don't say that, that's not good. Somebody said, uh, he, he and Pastor Doty, they got into a big conflict. But, but Pastor Doty said, my arm hurts. Pastor John was saying, don't say that. He said, well, my head hurts. Well, don't say that. So she finally told him, she said, I'm going to have them put on, I'm going to have them put on my gravestone. John Osteen, I told you I was sick. He said, that got us back into the middle. Amen. But listen, the basic doctrine of confessing the Word of God is you taking possession of that which God says rightfully belongs to you through the redemptive work of Christ, which if you're going to get these powers to work in your life, you're going to have to believe them in your heart, and you're going to have to speak them with your mouth. Now listen, I'm not going to try and, and fall on one side or the other when it comes to, to vaccination or, 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 or either even preventative or whatever you want to talk about when it comes to the current medical situation in our nation. But I'm going to tell you one thing. The Word of God in your mouth is the most powerful vaccination you can have against any disease on this planet. Now let me say that again because you need to hear it. You really need to hear that right now. The Word of God in your mouth out of a heart that believes is the most powerful, quote, vaccination against any disease. You can speak against the worst cancer. You can speak against the worst heart disease. But listen, you can be given up to die, but God can give you a miracle and bring you out of that if you can get the Word in your mouth. Out of your heart, into your mouth. Brother Osteen wrote a book, There's a Miracle in Your Mouth. That's where your miracle is. It's in your mouth. Jesus said it like this. With your words, you're justified. Or with your words, you're condemned. And listen, 
listen, that, that, that doesn't mean you go into the ditch somewhere and, and every time you hear some negative word, you got to go nuts. No, that means that you as an individual believer, you have made a decision to get the word into your heart so that you can speak it out of your mouth. And listen, you do that on a continual daily basis. You're building a strength on the inside of you so that when a situation of health arises, you don't have to talk to God about it. You talk to the situation about it. I like what one preacher said years ago. He said, don't go, to your pro- don't go to God and talk to God about how big your problem is. Go to your problem and talk to your problem about how big your God is. Now, this is going to be real simple stuff this morning, but I want you to let it reinforce something in you. And if you've got to make an adjustment, you say, what do you mean? Change your words. Lord, I've had to change my words so many times. Amen. Don't ever get to a place where you think, well, I'm never going to change what I say. And listen, change what you say. Especially if what you say is doubt and unbelief. Especially if what you say is causing, causing harm in your life. Because you're going to see in a minute that literally you are the, quote, God, the little God, not the big God, but you are the one who with your confession have created the world you live in. You know, Brother Kirk Copeland preached that back in the, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And man, I'm, I've never heard so many people go nuts. He said, we're God. Well, he didn't say that. You know who said that? David said it first. And then Jesus quoted David and said, don't you know that God said you're God? But it's the little Jew. Which means there is protocol which God himself uses that you as a child of God should have developing in you because you are a reflection of God upon the earth. Now remember this. Your spirit, if I say spirit, that's what you really are. But you have a soul, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. Now see, I've never considered this. I was praying the other day and I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about, Lord, why is this thing to be such an onslaught of the enemy? And the Lord spoke to me and says, because the enemy seems in the realm of the spirit, and when he looks out across the vast of humanity, when he sees a born-again person, he does not see a human being, he sees Jesus. And that freaks him out. Because he knows what Jesus did to him eternally. You say, what do you mean? The cross was not a simple fix. The cross was an eternal solution to a problem man could not cure for himself. So, here in Romans chapter 10, very familiar portion of Scripture, what we call the end of the Roman road. I'm going to back up one verse into verse 6. No, 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 let's, do, let's go to verse 8. If I did that, it, it'd be too much time. Go to verse 8. But what saith it, now notice this, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart. That is, now notice what Paul calls it, the word of faith, which we preach. Am I say the word of faith? Say it again. Now, when we get up and teach you the word of God, that is what we are. We're not teaching the word of fear, not teaching the word of doubt, neither are we teaching a word of religion or a word of theology or a word of tradition. We are teaching the word of faith, which means the word that we are teaching you, if we teach properly into your human spirit, it's going to cause faith to come, fear to go, doubt to leave, it's going to cause the provision of God to come into your life. That's simple. Everybody say, that's simple. Say, that's simple. So God shows us the simple formula here. Now notice what it says in that verse. 
Then it counts out. Here we go. Confess. The word confess in its most literal translation simply means to say the same thing as. Am I saying it with, with me? To say the same thing as. Say it again. To say the same thing as. Now, confession is not confessing a new Cadillac or a new Rolex or a new this or a new that. It is saying the same thing as God says. So you're going to have to get into the Word and see what God says. I said you're going to have to get into the Word and see what God says. Amen. So, the Word is nigh in our mouth, the Word of faith which we preach. Now notice this. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The word sotos, which means healing, preservation, soundness, safety, and deliverance. Did you get that? It's, it's a package deal. It's a package deal. Now notice what it says. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto. Now, if I was preaching an evangelistic crusade, and in front of me were a couple of hundred uh, people who did not know Jesus, I would leave the word salvation there because it would be relevant to the need of the crowd. But that's also the word soto, which you can put in there where the word salvation is healing. Preservation. Somebody ought to get excited. Soundness. Safety. Deliverance. So, let's read it it that way then. Now, notice what it says. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto healing. See, my guy. (laughs) I can feel it. He's kind of going to Because, no, 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 that's not what we want. We want to come up to the altar. And we want anointed hands laid on faith-believing hearts and the devil to leave immediately. Wish it were so. Thank God, there, thank God for the unctions of the Spirit. Thank God for the move of the Spirit. That is as the Spirit of God wills. But in the meantime, you still have an answer in the Word of God in your heart and your mouth. Don't ever think, because I can't get to some preacher, I can't get something from God. That's garbage. You can get anything from God you're willing to believe God for. Now, remember what we said for years, teaching on the subject of faith. We're going to try to stay on confession, but teaching on the subject of faith. There's no bad connection in the spirit realm. It's down here in our realm. And if something's not working, it's not God's fault, it's our fault. We're the one that needs to do the inventory of our lives. We're the one that needs to make the adjustments. We're the ones that many times just need to adjust our words. Amen? I mean, a lot of words I've been saying lately, I've just been saying, no, I can't say that no more. Can't well, the world's going to hell in a handbag. Everybody's going to die of COVID. I mean, hey, it looks like the economy's going to go down the tubes. And, you know, in a year we'll all be broke. You can't talk like that. You can't think like that. Jesus also said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can tell what's in your heart by what's coming out of your mouth. Sometimes you just got to do a little inventory of what you're talking about all the time because what you constantly be, what you constantly rehearse is what you believe. And what you constantly rehearse and believe is what you live in. You know, now, now I don't want to get too in-depth in this, 
But we studied this when we studied faith from the standpoint of this not being a Christian concept, but a human concept. You say, what do you mean? It works in the human family and in, the, in God's family. You say, what do you mean in the human family? Well, those people in the human family that have achieved great things, that did not have the talent, that did not have the ability, but they had the heart and they had the word. I always use, because the, the interview uh, impacted me, I always use the basketball player, uh, uh, Michael Jordan. And about how, how the, 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 the most impressive part of that interview was his seventh grade coach. Who said, This little nasty here guy came walking in the gym, and wasn't as tall as the other guys, balancing a basketball. And when he walked over to him to ask him his name, he looked at him and said, My name is Michael Jordan. I'm going to be the best basketball player the NBA has ever seen. And you know, so, Oh, yeah, okay. Go stand over there. You know? <laughs> Amen. His college coach said this, I had men with more talent, but I didn't have anybody with a bigger heart. And he said this, if I had a choice to play a man with talent or heart, I'm going to play the guy with a heart every time. Because the guy with talent, sometimes he relies on his talent, and all he ever does is wait for things to happen. But somebody with a heart will make things happen. Amen? So, Michael Jordan ended up being Michael Jordan because he believed in his heart, and he confessed with his mouth. Amen? I believe you'll find Jesus the same way. If you haven't already done it. Amen? You're the same way. But now you have revelation. If I say revelation, this is the revelation of our belief system. Just like uh, one of the, one of the uh, uh, people trained to be a doctor came up for prayer this morning for a test. It's amazing the systems that God has built into the human body. The, the cardiovascular system. The digestive system. The nervous system. And how all, you don't want anybody working on those systems that's not trained. And I'd rather not have people that don't know what they're doing because they haven't had any experience yet. It'd be kind of daunting to be the first one. You know, you're laying there on the gurney and the guy comes and says, Well, you know, it's my first surgery. <laughs> Amen. Is there any? I think I'm feeling a little better, you know. <laughs> The lump is gone. Glory to God. You say, wow, those systems are complicated. That they're alive. But then God thinks the most important system of your life is not your cardiovascular, it's not your nervous system, it's not your, it's your belief system. And thank God it's only made up of two components, what you believe in your heart and what you speak with your mouth. Now, real quick. Oh, my time's good. Go to, go to, uh, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was form, without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now notice this. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. There's always an activity to the Spirit. And God said, so the first revelation we see about our God is our God can speak. I'm just going to let that kind of saturate a little bit. No, 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 that's not a good word. I'll let it marinate a little bit right there. Our God can speak. A lot of times, pastors, other ministers, people will come and say, hey, what, what, what's God speaking to you, Rusty? What's God speaking to you? What's God speaking to you? Nobody's ever asked me that about Muhammad. What's, what's Muhammad been saying to you? Is that enough? It is dead. 
What's Buddha been saying to you, Rusty? Ain't he been saying nothing to me? He's been talking to you, then maybe we need to have a little talk up here to offer, amen? But they're not gods, they don't speak. They're, they're, they're gods without ears that can hear, gods without eyes that can see, and there's no evidence that there's any deity to them at all. We talked about the, 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 the systems of your physical body, your, your, your cardiovascular. Those, those systems testify to the glory of a Creator who could speak and form something as wondrous. The Bible says, you are gloriously and wondrously made. Who made you? God made you. He spoke you into existence like He did everything else in this world. Amen? And God said, let there be light. Then we sat around for eons of time waiting for God to be. No! And there was light. Notice that. God saw the light. It was good. God divided the light from the darkness. Uh, verse 6, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And the uh, last part of verse 7, and it was so. Uh, verse, uh, what is that say? Verse 9, God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place. And the uh, uh, last part of that verse, God saw that it was good. Everybody say good. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding after There's an order here. There's a divine order and a purpose that God is speaking into chaos. Darkened chaos, and the earth ended up as darkened chaos because the devil got thrown down here. And when the devil got down here, he didn't have enough power to cut the lights off. And God thought, I'm going to go down there and deal with that now. And when he went down there to deal with it, the first thing he did, by his work, he cut on the light. Like he can with any problem you're going through that's darkness today. He can cut on the light. Amen. He saw, God saw that it was good. Verse 14, God said, let there be light in the firmament. Verse uh, 18, that was good. Uh, verse uh, what is that? Verse 21, God says that the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, the fowl that can make fly of the earth and the firmament of heaven. Uh, and God blessed them, said, Be fruitful, multiply. Uh, verse 24, God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature, all the animals, everything that God made. But now get down to verse 26. Here, this is the reality. God said, everybody say, God said, God said, Let us make man. Now notice this. In our image and after our likeness. Now, notice the word are, O U R. This is a singular God in a plural manifestation. No, not a plural. Is that plural? Is that right? Plural manifestation in which God becomes God of heaven, God the Word, God the Spirit, all together. Said this Let us make what? You. How are we going to make them? We're going to make them in our likeness and our. Have you ever heard the term spitting image? You say, what? Whoever made up he's the spitting image of his father? Anybody ever heard that term? Kind of a country term. Uh, he's just a spitting image of grandma. Did you know that the real slang for that was spirit and image? It came out of Genesis. There's a spirit and image. The spirit image. Did you know you're the spirit and image of God? What's, what's unique about this is this we got to stay on, keep your feet on the ground. It's in this in this categorization 
of beings that exist, you exist in that categorization, except there's two parts to that categorization. There's deity, which you'll never enter into, but there's humanity. And because deity came down into humanity and imparted the divine nature, we can now partake of that which God has provided for us in Christ. Amen? Now notice, again, let us make man in our likeness, in our image, and in our likeness. Now, understand one of the principles of biblical study. So this is not a regular book. This is a, this is a, a life book. That all revelation is progressive. It moves forward. And in order many times to understand the forward progression of how God speaks and how revelation falls into humanity, which may be a little complicated, a little deep for some, for some, but let me say it like this. God keeps moving forward with His plan and will, and as He does it, He has more information, more information, more information. So what becomes more relevant, relevant is what's at the end, except for that which is in the beginning. So what do you mean by that? Everything that happened in Genesis is still in operation today. It's all there. So God said, let us make man how? Make them in our likeness and our image. So what do we see from verse 26 back to verse 1? We see the image of a being that controls, creates, maintains, and propels everything in his life through what he says. Now, you can go read the rest of the Bible. You'll find other attributes about God, but you don't have any other than, and God said, and God said, and God said, and it was so, and it was good. Therefore, when Fernando comes on the earth in the 21st century, and if Fernando wants to be an overcomer, he's going to have to do what? He's going to have to say and he's going to have to say, and he's going to have to say, and he's going to have to say, and then it'll be so, and then it'll be good, and he's going to have to say. And the goodness is God did not leave us dependent. Oh, this is so good. On human words, he gave us his words, because in the spirit realm, his words register stronger than your words. Woo, glory to God. No wonder the devil wants to come against confession. No wonder the devil doesn't want you speaking the Word of God every day. No wonder the devil doesn't want the Word of God in your heart and in your mouth, coming out of your mouth on a daily basis, in your heart and in your mouth, in your heart and in your mouth, and then you run up to a, uh, up against a problem in which you've been confessing the Word, and you go, wait a second, Lord, I'll be back to work with you in just a minute. I have to go deal with something with your Word in Jesus' name. And you go over to that situation, and you say, no, in the name of Jesus, it is written. Amen? Now, real quick, two quick stops. Proverbs chapter 18. Chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit of it. Now, notice, I like what Passion says. Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. Let me say that again. Your words are so powerful, they will kill, they will kill, or they'll give life. You can kill anything in your life with words. I've watched people kill their marriages. 
the relationship. Now, you know, the word kill with us means separation. You speak the wrong, wrong words to your wife, your husband, on a continual basis, you'll tear that thing apart. There's been a lot of people that never had any any physical conflict of any kind, no no really abuse within a marriage as far as physical, but the words were worse than the, it had been better if somebody would have beat them. Because the words beat them up the ball. Get a better amen than that. That's why you got to guard your words. So you're, now listen to me, this is such an important principle. In every area of your life, in your finances, in your health, especially in your mental health right now, because I'm telling you right now, as much as there is a plague on the earth of the of the of the uh, uh, diseases they're trying to propagate. There's a mental health crisis raging. There's no room in any of the psychiatric hospitals. People are committing suicide in mass. It's one of the most crazy things that the, that, that the uh, mental health experts has ever seen, and they're perplexed on how to stop it because you can't stop spiritual things with psychological things. You got to have something spiritual. You got to have some authority. You got to have somebody willing to stand up there and speak. And somebody willing to break that spirit. We went to Ireland in 1988. Man, what we found there. I understand now why God did in me and through me why, what He did. Because the first three or four years that, that, that I went to Ireland, I think all I did was laugh. I mean, I'd go there and I'd be, get up and start speaking, and I'd just start laughing. And I'd be riding in the car going to another meeting, and I'd just start laughing. And I'd be sitting in a restaurant somewhere, fixing to eat a meal, I'd just start laughing. And I got, I got all those, those Irishmen, got all them to laugh. Well, see, I didn't know that almost 60% of that nation was mentally ill. I didn't know that in the West of the nation was insane asylum after insane asylum after insane asylum. And the depression on that nation was palpable. But you know, as we preach the gospel, as we continue to love people and teach other people how to love people, and saw the churches raised up, and saw the movement, that thing broke over that nation. And you could literally tell from one trip to the next, that thing broke, that spirit of depression is gone, and in the name of Jesus, I believe that same thing that's going on around here, we're going to break it in Jesus. I wonder if the devil hates us so much. You say, what? Because we're not toxic. Oh, we'll get off. I better not say that. I'm sorry. I will go. Thank you, Lord. I will I hear you. Mark 11, real quick, we'll close with this. Now, it's really easy to just flip over to Mark 11, verse 22 and 23, and to get up here and squawk like a parrot. I don't know how that sounds, amen? And say, you'll have what you 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 say. So that's why I didn't start in Mark 11, 23. But now, in reference to the cursing of a fig tree, Jesus is walking, just take the Bible for what it says. He's walking and he's hungry. We've all been there. He sees a fig tree. He approaches a fig tree. The Bible says happily or expecting that he might find some, some fruit. Oh, we had somebody give us pig fig pictures. Make pig out of you, amen? Pig preserved, fresh, oh, anyway, we're not get up on that. Didn't have any fruit, so he cursed it. And as they went by the trees, the next day, it was withered from the roots and dried up. Now, you know, the, the disciples had been hanging out with him, and they probably figured, okay, you know, Peter said back in 
in, in, in chapter 16 of, of Matthew, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living. Okay. He's anointed by the Holy Ghost. He does all these signs and wonders and miracles. He's, you know, he's really kind of an odd fellow. But, but you know, this free thing. What did he do that for? It's like a perfectly fine tree. Actually, if you go study uh, uh, biblical co- commentary, it is a tree that had not grown uh, because figs don't really produce the way you want them to until three or four years, the particular type of tree they're talking about in the Bible. So the Bible, literally in the Greek, it says the, times of the, the time of the figs was not yet. I mean, the, the plant had matured. And he did this to illustrate something. So they're walking by and they asked him about it. So this is what he says. He says in verse 22, Jesus answered, he's answering their question, what about the tree? He says, have faith in God. Now, that's really not a good translation because if you go back to the true Greek translation, he says this, you need to have the God kind of faith. That's what he says. You need to have the God kind of faith. Then he says this, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever, so there's your qualification word. Well, when you're about... You know, five years after you're born again and been attending church regularly and tithing and offering, then you might be you might be in the right place for me to reveal this to you. No, no, he didn't say that. He said, Whosoever shall say. Amen. Shall say. Now notice this. Unto this mountain. What is a mountain? It's an inanimate object. It's something sitting there, actually one, one translation, the way that it, 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 it translates the verse, it's something sitting there in your way, but it's mountainous. How are you going to remove the mountain? A mountain in between you and your finances, you and your health, you and your people, whatever it may be. How are you going to get rid of this mountain? You're going to have to say. Now that's not some teaching from some faith preacher, that's Jesus himself. Listen, he's not saying, ah, uh, you know, that teaching, that was kind of a God trick we pull every once in a while. We like to hang around with you mortals, and every once in a while we like to do a hat trick, and that was one of them. No! Jesus was not like that at all. He was doing everything he could do to get into those disciples' hearts' revelation about how deity operates. How does deity operate? Deity operates by a belief in their heart and a confession with their mouth, and it brings into existence what's in the heart. That's how the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, that's how heaven was created, that's how everything God has ever touched has ever been done. And what did God do once He began to bring redemption on the earth? He looked for men and women that would do what? Speak His Word. Whosoever what? Say into this mouth. You're going to have to say it. Got a tumor in your body? Speak to it. Got a disease in your blood? Speak to it. COVID attacks you? Speak to the COVID. Whatever it is that comes against you, you're going to have to speak and not stop. Well, you know, I'll just go throw that up. It's not going to happen. The belief part of it can be so strong in the inside of you that it's like it's part of you. And it's released out of the spirit realm through what you say, through what you speak. Say of the mountain. Do what? Now notice this. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. What are you doing? You are instructing an inanimate object. There's a particular man that taught faith. He's gone on to be with the Lord. He had a woman in a co- I told this story before. It, it had an impression on me. Had a woman come to a conference. He spoke on, on words. She was a woman that was in an assembly of God's church and uh, 
had good teaching. And she said, you know, my husband contracted cancer. We stood in faith. We believed God. Every evangelist that came through laid hands on him, prayed for him. Uh, everybody we knew went to the hospital and watched him. Suffer and die. Now he's gone. And he says, your teaching has really just confused me. And so this minister said, well, uh, the teaching really didn't confuse you. You were already confused. And my teaching just turned the light on so that you could understand you are confused. Amen. So he said, the Lord just touched his face to say this. He said a simple question. He said, of all the people that prayed, the pastor, all the evangelists, did anybody ever speak to the cancer? And he said, when he said that, you could, he said it's almost like somebody took a light and flashed it in the face. The light just came on the face. He said, no, we all prayed for God to heal us. We all prayed for God to heal us. But there's nothing wrong with praying for God to heal But faith, things that already done. And faith says it already done. And faith operates in its strength and encouragement when you are speaking it, and it doesn't look like anything's happening, but you speaking it strengthens your resolve to say it again. And say it again tomorrow. And say it again the next day. And continually speak it. And continually speak it till what you're saying overwhelms what you're facing. Amen. Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Now, here's the key. Shall not doubt in his heart. Now, remember this. We've said this many times, but it bears rehearsing. The Word of God is much more a doubt-removing book than it is an answer book. Now, it does. There's lots of answers in there. I just gave you the answer for the new book. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. But many times, you're not going to get your answer. You're going to get your doubt removed, which is going to bring you into the answer. That just helps somebody needed to hear that. Amen? But shall believe those things which you say it. You can't believe it if you're not saying it. Did you know that? Even though you can listen, you can mentally assent to it. I know you believe. I have somebody else who, oh, Pastor, I don't know if I believe that, but I know you believe it. That's not going to be me Amen? No, I'm trying to get you to believe it. Faith shall come to pass. He, he shall have whatsoever he says. Well, let's read that again, just in its fullness. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in the heart, but believe those things which. Who says it? You say it. Yeah, by the original God, but you don't say it. You don't say it. That's the power part. Unsaid, there's no power. But with the belief of the heart and the confession of the mouth, God backs up His Word. What's He say? I watch out with my Word. To what? Perform it. I hasten my Word to perform it. I hasten my Word to perform He's just looking for somebody to believe and confess. To say, we're going to build that building. To say, we're going to reach these nations. To say, we're going to have revival. That's why Paul says over Corinthians that you all speak the same thing. That there be no division too. See, that's what, the, that's what the adversary wants for every believer. He wants divorce in your marriage, D-I, division two, instead of the two being one. 
and he wants division in the church. Why? Because listen, if he's intimidated as he is when he sees you and you look like Jesus, what do you think he sees when he looks at this church? See what he sees. He sees his defeat. He sees his defeat. And he will fight against his defeat. We're at a time, church, in which the adversary has unleashed himself upon this earth in a way that it's never been before. But he is no more stronger or able than he's ever been. He is the same depleted, destroyed, under our feet. Come on, church. He is the same inept entity that was stupid enough to get kicked out of heaven Called insurrection, came down to the earth, thought he'd rule and reign here, and then Jesus shows up and says, You're not ruling and reigning anyway. So there needs to be some boldness, some strength. And let me give you something the Lord spoke to me when he said this. Because I was praying about confession. I said, Lord, how do I empower? How does the word? I, I have had a confession of faith for over 37 years. I speak it. I haven't spoken every day, but I have spoken more days than I have not spoken. I mean, there's been seasons of times where I've spoken two or three times every day for months. Amen? I said, Lord, how do we get it to come up to another level? He says, well, if you've got all that working in your life, then you need to work on the other one. I said, what do you mean? He said, you need to reduce the amount of words coming out of your mouth that have to do with anything else. He said, it's not that you don't, that you need to quit talking about everything. It's just talk less and less about what's going on and talk more and more about who I am. I bet I heard it a thousand times, but those things like would say, don't go to your God and tell God how big your mountain is. Go to your mountain and tell, big, tell your mountain how big your God is. And in this day, church, you know, living in Galveston, we moved here in 1973. And I experienced where we lived up there by where the Alameda Mall is. I guess Alameda Mall is still up there. We lived in that area kind of east of there over toward Pasadena. Kind of where Pasadena, Houston, and South Houston all come together. And, you know, I've been bit by mosquitoes. We, Dad had a little farm out in the country, and we'd been, but I've never experienced anything on mosquito level. So I moved to Galveston. Back in the early 70s, back then, I, that's when I first met George Sims. We, had, we were on a lease together down on the very end of the island. And uh, I remember going down there to dove hunt one day, and I couldn't hunt. I couldn't do it. You, you sprayed yourself down with all, and I just used that as great. Am I lying? That's the truth. I mean, they'd bite, they'd bite, and I'm not good with mosquito bites. And that's not a negative confession. That's just, I just, if you like, if you like mosquito bites, that's fine. I don't. Amen. So when I know I'm going out into a situation in this area here, up in Wayne somewhere, let's go. There's things that we do to resist that. Uh, Brother Kenny back there, he hunts with me a lot. Sometimes we'll be in the, go to the blind and I'll, and there'll just be literally, am I right, Kenny? A cloud of mosquitoes. A cloud of them. And you know what they want to do? They want to suck your blood. They're not, they want to do it in me. And so, you know, I learned over the years 
Brother Kenny doesn't like that either. So usually I got my chores I got to take care of. But if I drive up there and the lights of the four wheelers down and there's that car, I tell Kenny, take care of that Kenny. And he's got a little thing he likes. He's got a little thing he likes. We'll be playing on it. But it puts something out. But by the time I go get to put the put the put the buggy up and walk back to the bus, there ain't no mosquito there. Well, there's some gold God wants to lie to you. Because there's all these devils out there wanting to suck your blood. Amen. But God's wanting to light a confession, a word in you. So that when you speak that word, you feel the full force and power. And then when you're forced to go into a situation where you've got to speak to the mountain, you're able to do it. That's why I constantly, constantly harp on you over and over. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. And I've used this illustration as a dynamic many times, and I'll close with it. Take a healing scripture. Maybe, let's take maybe, let's take maybe three. Quick one. Uh, thank you, Heavenly Father. This up, this up. You've delivered me from the power of darkness. You've translated me into the kingdom of your dear son. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ makes me free from the law of sin and death. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead abides in me, quickens, makes the law no more. So, you know, on Monday, I'm praying. Maybe I do it when I'm driving. Maybe I do it uh, in, in the privacy of a prayer room. But sometime during the day, thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm, you've delivered me from the power of God. Sometimes I just throw words in it. Thank you from COVID, from cancer, from from. from or from any sickness disease from arthritis, for all of these maladies. I thank you. You've delivered me from the Spirit of God, the power of God. You've translated me into the, into the dimension of healing and health. Your dear Son, glory to God. The law, there's a law out there. The law, the Spirit of life, makes me free from the law of sin. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The same Spirit. I want to worship you. And you do that three days, four days, five days, six days. About ten days into that, you feel a little something in your body. It's kind of right. Huh. Maybe a little fever on your brow. Something in your chest. You say, wait, wait a second, Lord, I was worshiping you. Give me, give me just a second. And you go and you take that word you've been speaking to God and worshiping Him with. And you speak it to whatever it is that's attacking you. It is written. Some spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It dwells in me. It quickens. It makes alive my mother. Thank you, Father. The law of the Spirit of life. You go back to that situation. Listen to me. Tumor, you listen to me. Cancer, you listen to me. COVID, you listen to me. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. It quickens my mortal body. If you don't say it, you're not going to get it. Well, I'm just believing God for revival to break out and just lay hands on If it does, we're going to flow that way. Don't worry about it. We want that just as bad as you do. But in the meantime, you're going to have to keep yourself alive. Now, let me say that again. You're going to have to keep yourself alive, and I mean alive, physically, financially, mentally, in every way, by a constant flow of the Word of God in your heart and your mouth, your heart and your mouth, as you say the same thing as God says. You do not say the same thing God says. You do not have the right to put a demand on what He's done. But if you will say the same thing God says on a continual basis, I guarantee you the Word of God, listen to me, the Word of God in your mouth coming out of your heart of belief sounds just like God speaking it. You say, wow, because you and the family, honey, and you sound just 
like your father. Glory to God. Lift your hands and thank you. Father, we thank you this morning. But let us make adjustments in our confession, the situation of our life, our nation, and this world is not hopeless. We have hope in God. We have faith in His Word. We will not go under. We'll go up. We'll not go down. We'll go over. We'll do it in Jesus' name for His glory. Father, I thank you that every person in here today will go home and work on their Word. That they'll start identifying mountains. Okay, I'll do that. When I was in Bible school, so this be 37 years ago, this fall. A little baby was born at Lakewood Church, a single mom, without a brain. You remember that, don't you, Doris? I mean, you, you think, you tell these stories of people are like, there's proof. It happened. There's a condition, I forget what it's called, it's, it's where the brain stem forms, but the brain does not form, just a glob of, of, of cells will form, and then a lot of water will, will, will cause the, the, the head to blow out. And so here's this, this precious little lady, and the doctor came to her and said, there is no hope for this child. You need to, 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 to give, it, give it up, give him up, let him die. This child will be a burden to you your whole life. Well, Brother Osteen had just written that book. There's a miracle in your mouth. And she got that book, her Bible, and some little book that moms get that talks about the development of a child. Now, this is not, this is an uneducated woman who, who literally just kind of worked as a, as a housemaid. This wasn't some brilliant, you know, doctor. No, this is just a regular girl like me and you. So she took that development book, and she took that Bible, and she took that book, There's a Miracle in Your Mouth. She started, wrote out and started, am I telling the truth? A confession over that child. At three weeks, this child will be doing this, this, this. At four weeks, at six weeks, at six months. And you know, when she first started out, but Ocean told the story, he said, that when she first start, started out, it didn't look like anything was happening. So the baby just laid there with his you know. She said, but one day she walked in there and she noticed that someone had a mouth. So she just redoubled her effort. At six months, a year, and I think it was at two years. If they took the baby in the head, it completely gone down. The child was eating, crying. It looked like a normal baby. I took it into the doctor, and there was a perfectly formed brain. Now, listen to me. About five years ago, flipping through the channel, and I stopped on a TVM program, and that kid was out. He was 32 years old. He had three degrees. In subject, I couldn't even pronounce what the subject is. Much less get a degree. That child would have been in the grave two to three days after he was born. Except for one little mama who was willing to get the Word of God in her mouth. Well, God just did that for No, listen, you've got to get that. That's, that's religious thinking. That's not word based thinking. Well, that's just an isolated incident. No, what the isolated incident was was a woman doing that. It wasn't God doing the, doing the miracle. It was the woman doing what. Don't let it be an isolated incident. 
You identify your mountain. You get the Word of God in your heart. You speak it with all the faith you have. You do it day after day. You want to God with that Word that you turn to your mountain and say, it's time for you to be removed. What my Bible says, whosoever can have whatsoever that they'll just believe in faith. Let me say that again. Whosoever can have whatsoever that they'll just believe in Lift your hands, Father, we worship you. Now, Lord, simple message. We've preached it so many times here. But I thank you, Father, for the repetition of the teaching of your work. Hearts are opening. Revelation is being deposited. Adjustments are being made. And your glory is increasing. And for every person here today, as David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, let them be expressed. Acceptable in thy song, my strength, and my redeemer. And Father, we covenant with you as Island Church to keep the word of God in our mouth, to not look at circumstances, but to speak revival, awakening, moves of God, increase of God, healing, prosperity, and blessing. Jesus, you said you were coming back for a glorious, glorious church without honoring we declare we are that glorious church. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment, real quick. Here they say, Pastor, my life is not right. I need to get my life right with God. Maybe you're not living right, doing right. Maybe you've never been born again like we talked about in Romans 10, 9, and 10. Very simple process. All you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God, the Creator, the Heavenly Father, sent His Son Jesus, died on a cross, rose from the dead, did it for you. You accept it by believing and confessing. If you're born again, but you, you've gotten away from the Lord, I was like that for many years. But when I came back to God, I came back with words. I came back with words. Words of repentance. Amen. Words of repentance, words asking for help, and words that said, I'm not going to give up on God. He didn't give up on me. So if you're here today and you need to get your life right, let's pray. I'll pray with you. We won't ask you to come up front. We'll do it as the congregation stands and prays with you. But anyone like that, would you lift your hand right now? Nobody's looking around. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We see one hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? Quickly, one has raised their hand. Glory to God. Amen. Everybody stand on your feet if you will. I think one is as valuable as a million. I mean, believe that. So we're going to pray with them. Amen. Everybody out loud, expressing you to raise your hand. Here we go. Heavenly Father, openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Heavenly Father, I have not been serving you the way I should. Therefore, as a child of God, I appropriate the blood of Jesus on the mercy seat, which right now cleanses me from all sin, all unrighteousness, and deposits mercy into my life. Thank you, Father. You will stop from happening what should happen to me because of my sin. Thank you, Lord. I'm cleansed. I'm whole. I'm right in Jesus' name. Now that I'm right, Lord, help me to stay right. Help me to stay right in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we depart today, 
Thank you for your protection, your safety. Lord, we pray over all of those that are fighting their fight of faith here at Island Church. We stand with them in agreement that they're healing their bodies, that there's a breakthrough at their job or their business, that their mind is healed and they're delivered, that the oppression of the devil is broken. We declare it in Jesus' name. We thank you for our protection and safety as we travel on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, or any other way of travel or transportation. Thank you that you protect us, Lord. The righteous labor of our hands, we thank you, Father, whether it be out on the ocean, whether it be in the in in vast hospitals of the area, the petrochemical plants up on the mainland, no matter where it is, maybe, no matter what we may do, we claim we're not subject to trauma, to terror, to the evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the most Stir in us, Lord. That statistic is so bad. Ten percent. That means only ten percent of the people that are supposed to be in this church are here. So, Lord, we're going to work on it. We're going to see that increase. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that there's a, there's a spirit of revival in our hearts. We thank you, Father, that the anointing of the Holy Ghost is increasing in us through us our minds. We thank you, Father, for a stirring. Oh, I see that. I see that. I see that. Lord, we lift up Brother Alice. The weight of the assignment that's upon him is the biggest he's ever had in his life. Now he's speaking on a national level, an international level, to an entire nation. All of those in that nation that are connected to the move of the Holy Ghost will be there. But Father, we have sown him so that we can reach back here. Everything that we've done financially, all of our prayers and support, we thank you as you bring revival to those men in Turkey and women in Turkey. You bring it here to Island Church. Father, we thank you that all of us, that the level of intensity in our hearts when it comes to soul winning and our witness is increasing because of your hand upon our lives. Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, covered by the blood. Covered by the blood. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.